1: Or it may be chasing after a relationship. That might become our God. It may be wanting a relationship, seeking love, seeking happiness. Now, these kind of things are not bad in and of themselves. Please don't get me wrong. But when they become your God, when happiness becomes your God, when a relationship becomes your God, there's something wrong. When we place these things before our true living God, something's wrong. Pastor
0: Dave challenges you to define what is taking the role of God in your life. Is it work, a relationship, or the pursuit of happiness? None of these things are bad, but if they're placed above God, they'll eventually let you down. Instead of these things, place Jesus as the priority of your life. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 10. As he begins his message, the nation falls into decay once again.
1: You are sure. There are 21 chapters in the book of Judges, and today we're going to do chapter 10 and just a little bit of 11. Um, I started to think maybe I could get well into 11, but that doesn't happen. You know me too well. I start looking at it, and I tried it. It it just doesn't work with me. So we're going to be in chapter 10 in the book of Judges. So if you would turn into your swords to chapter 10, the book of Judges, the deliverers. So... Last week, we finished Abimelech, Gideon's son who would be king. And the last thing we saw of our buddy Abimelech was that as he was attacking this tower, some lady dropped a millstone on his head and crushed it. What was happening here? Well, we read in verses 56 and 57 of chapter 9. It says, thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his fathers by killing his 70 brothers and all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads and on them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubal. We remember all the men of Shechem ran into the strong tower beforehand and were burnt and killed. And then Abimelech got a little prideful. He got a little headstrong and he went after this other village and they ran into a tower too and this is when the millstone fell on his head so we saw the demise of abimelech and we talked about reaping and sowing we talked about god's repaying evil for evil and how it's his job to avenge not our job as we learned in romans it's god's job to avenge so we leave all vengeance to his. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Not vengeance is yours, go out and take care of it. No, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So, so as we now come into chapter 10, we meet two new judges very quickly. We meet Tola and Jair, and they are leading the nation Israel for 45 years. And during that 45 years, they have peace and prosperity, prosperity. So let's read verses one through five. Chapter 10, verse one. After Abimelech there arose to save Israel, Tola, the son of Puah, the son of Dodo, a man of Ishkatar, and he dwelt in Shemir in the mountains of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years. He died and was buried in Shemir. After him arose Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel 22 years. Now, he had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys, who also had 30 towns, which are called Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Camon. Interesting, right? Tola's father's name, Pua, means splendid. His grandfather's name, Dodo, Means beloved one. But Tola's name means worm. That's what it means. Means worm. Now, if you have a mind like me, when I first heard of this, I didn't think of anything scriptural at all. I think of the Argain guy called Worm. There was a guy on our gang that used to call him Worm. And he was a tough guy. But what's interesting about this is we don't know a lot about Tola. Except the fact, what is written here in Judges ten one and 2. We do know that he's a man of the tribe of Ishkethcar, but he lives in the land of Ephraim. He doesn't live with his brothers in Ishkotkar. He lives in the land of Ephraim. So, I started to dig a little bit about his name. And, pardon me if I go this way, but... I saw that Jesus can be depicted in this name here. A couple things. First of all, not only did Jesus leave heaven and dwell among people who didn't receive Him, like Tola did, you can find that out in John one eleven, but in Psalm twenty two verse six. In Psalm twenty two verse six, let's turn there. Psalm twenty two. Scripture tells us that Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. What does that mean? It means it speaks of the Messiah. We know the Messiah to be Jesus. Yahshua, Yahshua, Jehovah's salvation. He is the Messiah. And specifically in verse 6. In verse 6, the writer is actually speaking the Messiah's words. And look what it says in verse 6. But I am a what? Worm and no man, a reproach to men and despised by the people. Interesting, interesting here. We know that this is a messianic psalm. Even the Jews will tell you that this is a messianic psalm. We know it to speak of our Jesus because Jesus uttered the very words of verse one on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we know that this speaks, this entire Psalm speaks about Jesus. Okay, hold that thought. The Hebrew word Tola, the plural of which is Tolath, T-O-L-A-I-T-H, is translated two ways in scriptures. Scarlet or worm. Scarlet or worm. Now, why would the same word be used in these two very different meanings? Because in those days, people needed scarlet cloth. When they needed it, they would grind worms into a pasty, blood-red substance that would use as dye. Tola. So why then would the Messiah, Jesus, say, I'm a worm? Well, these worms that produce this dye would climb the trunk of a tree. And they would fasten themselves to this limb of a tree. The worm would lay the larva and then cover the eggs with its body. The eggs would hatch. The worm would not move and wouldn't budge. So the larva would then feed off the body of the one who had given them life. As the tola gave its life for its young the blood would leave a scarlet mark on the tree. After the dead worm fell, the bloody spot remained there dry. It wouldn't dry for three days. And then it became a white flaky substance that would fall to the ground like snow. Isaiah said, though your sins be as scarlet, Tola, they are white as snow. Jesus fastened himself to a tree. Those nails did not hold Jesus to that tree. He stayed on that tree, that cross, by himself. He didn't budge until it was finished. Teledestai. He did not budge until the work was completed. Until his work was completed. The work that will allow you and I to be born again. And then Jesus in the Gospel of John says those extremely hard, hard words that everybody left except the group when he says, unless of you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. And it says, many, many of the disciples left. And when he turned, there were the 12. And his very words were, are you leaving also? And Peter gets up and says, where would we go? You have the words of life. In verse 10, excuse me, in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Tola arose to defend Israel. The word defend can be translated to save or deliver. Didn't Jesus come to save those who were lost? Who did he come to? The lost sheep of Israel. But Tola did not deliver Israel from a foreign army, but he did judge the nation for 23 years. I thought that was interesting. I wanted to share that with you because that was an interesting thing when you look at that. Let the Spirit speak to your heart about that and see what happens. So as we move on and look to Jair, his name means enlightenment. And he judged Israel for 22 years. And all told, there was a 45 year of peace and prosperity in the land. But Jair must have been a wealthy man. He must have been a very, very wealthy man. And it must have been something in those days to have a lot of kids. Because remember, Gideon had 70 kids. Well, Jair had 30. And these 30 boys, these 30 men of his, all had 30 donkeys. Now, livestock was a sign of wealth. So, for his kids to have 30, for him to have 30 kids and them to have 30 donkeys, he was a very, very wealthy man. He was a very rich man. Also, they had 30 cities. So, each man had a city that he could take. So, you can talk about nepotism all you want, but he had all the help he needed in the land to take care of these things from his kids. He judged Israel for 22 years. That's all we know. That's all we see right here. That's all the scripture can tell us. 22 and 23, we have 45 years of peace and prosperity. Man can't handle peace and prosperity. Can't handle it. They cannot handle it and serve God at the same time. You would think that during these years, knowing from whence they've come, they would do what? Glorify God. They would praise God. They would give Him glory. They would give Him everything He wants. Take, turn for a minute, and this is really not a digression, but turn for a minute to Deuteronomy. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Interesting comments in chapter 8. Chapter 8, let's look at verses 10 through the end of the chapter. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinny rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand and have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as his day. Then it shall be if by if you by any means forget the Lord, your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I will testify against you this day and you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroys before you. So shall you perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord, your God. It's interesting. And again, my brain, I look at this and I go, oh, verse 10, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord. You mean I can say grace after I eat? Well, yeah. In fact, someone well-known, I forget who it was, I was reading somewhere, they, that's all they did was they ever say, all they ever said was grace after they ate because of this verse right here. I don't think the Lord minds when you say it as long as you say it (laughs) and give him him thanks. But we're taught by Jesus before we break the bread to, to pray. So, but anyhow, so you see, God has given them the command. God has given them the command. Just because you're going to prosper, just because you're going to multiply your flocks, multiply your money, multiply your children, multiply everything else, do not forget me. How many of us? Self-included, how many of us, when we have, things are going great, when we're not in a trial, when things are prospering, when we're doing well, how many of us slide? How many of us drift away from the Lord? It's human nature to do so because all of a sudden, we think we had something to do with our prosperity. We think that we had something to do with the greatness that's been happened to us. And we start taking God's credit, which is, is a very, very difficult place to be. And it's a dangerous place to be. So this is what's happening to the nation Israel once again. Here we go, folks. Back to the cycle. We're going right back into the cycle. Right back in. 45 years of wealth and prosperity. 45 years of Peace, 45 years of of things growing and everything going the way you want it to go. Not being attacked by people, not being attacked by armies, not having to worry about your sons and daughters going out to war and all that. 45 years. Now all of a sudden, look what happens. Let's begin in verse six. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Right away, your antennas should be going up. You should be saying, uh-oh, here we go. What's going to happen now? You know the cycle, but here they are. Look at the names of the different gods, the Baals, the asterisks. And then all of a sudden they added the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistine. Look at all these things. We serve different gods. I sat there and I went over this and I said, Lord, there's got to be something in this that we can look at other than the names of these gods and what they stand for. Because, you know, they're all different gods. And then it came to me. If we are not careful, we will forsake the Lord and serve different gods. It may be in a relationship, or it may be chasing after a relationship. That might become our God. It may be wanting a relationship, seeking love, seeking happiness. Now, these kind of things are not bad in and of themselves. Please don't get me wrong. But when they become your God... When happiness becomes your God, when a relationship becomes your God, there's something wrong. When we place these things before our true living God, something's wrong. Your job, making money, moving up the ladder of success. All these things become God's to us. Materialism, collecting stuff. He who has the biggest toys and the most toys wins. Wins what? I always like to know the answer to that question. Wins what? Gets to leave them behind when he dies? What do you win? But we we get into these habits of things and we place things, people, places, stuff, vacations, we place all this stuff as gods. And they become our gods. Even our schooling and our training can become our gods if we place them before the one true living God. and we don't give him glory for giving us brains to study. They take prayer out of the schools, but they can never take prayer out of the schools as long as there are final exams. I know many kids going into the final exams are going, Lord, help me pass this exam. Even ministry can become a God. Even ministry can become a God. Serving the Lord. Your heart, thats all. that's what you're looking for before God. You're spending more time doing that than you are with God. See, God... Saved you so he could relate to you. He saved you so he could have a relationship with you. Each one of us individually. He wants a relationship with each one of us. And he has saved you for that purpose and that purpose alone. Everything else is gravy, folks. Everything else that happens is gravy. He saved you so that he could relate and have a relationship with you and you alone. He loves the one on one. Look at the scriptures. Jesus talked to the masses, but boy, was he great with the one-on-one. That's what God wants. But in this society, today, we put so many things before our God. And you talk to people day after day, you know, and they're hurting and they're sick and something comes up, and the first thing they want to do is cut out fellowship. So, what one thing you need, but the first thing we cut out, and I don't know, you know, The first thing you want to do is, I don't want to go to church tonight. Well, why? I'm having a bad day. Well, then you should be in church if you're having a bad day. What a better place to be. What a better place to be. Oh, no, I want to stay home. Say, I want to do what? Be in gloom and doom and end up watching American Idol? But that's just human nature. First thing we want to do is we want to cut out what we need most. And you know, don't you think Satan knows that? And he puts that idea in your head, do you cut out fellowship? I'm not going to go. I'll show you, God, I'm not going to go. Who gets hurt? You miss out on something. Anything that becomes a master passion of ours and is placed before our relationship with Christ is a foreign God. We have got to stop these things. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your energy? What's the driving force behind your life? Introspect inside. Look inside. David. David. Sit before the Lord. Examine me, Lord. Look at my heart. Is there anything wrong in there? There is. Point it out to me. Help me to jettison those things. Now, everything we mention, again, is not bad in and of themselves. They're good. But when they take precedent over our God, they become bad. Israel forsook their God. They did not serve them. Instead, they got caught up with all their toys, all their trinkets, and all the things of the world. So easy to do. So easy to do. Like, come on. You're the same as I am. At least I hope you are. How many of you are wide awake until you open the Bible at night to read? How many of you go, I'm going to pray for an hour? You sit there and go, Lord, help me. How long's it been? What do you mean, three minutes? I've been here forever. All he wants to do is fellowship with you. All he wants to do is pour his heart upon you. These were his children. These were his children. So we have the disobedience part of the circle. Now, in verses 7 through 9, here comes comes the discipline. So, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Oh, man. You know what? I don't ever want to hear a sentence that says, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Dave. Ooh, I don't want to hear that. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. Sold them into what? Sold them into slavery. Sold them into bondage. He gave them up. From that year, they were, they harassed, he's the, they is the Philistines and the, and the people of Ammon, harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. You are assured
0: Pastor Dave Schenck will continue his series in the book of Judges next time you join us for Assure Hope. In the meantime, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love for you to come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May will soon be moving to two services, meeting weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Both services offer nursery and Sunday school, where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Judges. We pray you'll continue to be blessed as you study the word on your own and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life each day. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this Old Testament book. So join us again right here on A Sure Hope.